Welcome to the Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneurs Podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of making shit happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbyshack. Wow, we are face-to-face for a shut-up show today. Bernie's here in my office, hooray, and my dear friend Liz Green is there in her home office about a mile from where I used to live. So this is freaking exciting. Two of my favorite people in the world with me hanging out at Shut Up Show. So hopefully that shines through. Everybody sees how much fun we're having and uh, gets the story. It's oh, shining through all right. Shining, yeah, sorry. Yeah. All right, I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't do an oil change on my forehead. Sorry, I'm a little glossy today. So, yeah, but today we've got a Liz Green. Liz is... Fantastic. I know her from the National Speakers Association. She's a wonderful speaker, a great mom and wife. Not to me, but to her family. <laughs> I her I sure hope not. Yeah, not to me, no. So, but she is like my big sister, so I'm delighted yeah. that she's joining me on the show. So, Liz, how's it going today? Oh, it's great. And, you know, it is wonderful when there's actually sun in Wisconsin in the fall. So, makes it for a much, much happier day. Heck, yeah. So we do have sunshine here in Milwaukee today, which is rare. And Bernie's here, yeah. which is extra sunshine. What did I tell you in the car about the weather? Yeah. Right? I won't say it here on the Shut Up Show. Yeah. <laughs> That's for another show. That's, yeah, that'll be backstage or something. So, yeah. So, Eliz, we're going to pepper you here with lots of questions. Talk about lots of F words, but only ones that your girls can hear. Okay. <laughs> the tw- right? You have 12-year-old twin girls, and that's really kind of where your story, I think, is somewhat starts, but then we back up and catch up, and there's lots of cool stuff. But you had this little heart attack thing when you had girls thing. of yours. Just a little thing. Yeah, no big deal. No, no big deal. nothing. We all have those. When I gave birth to my girls, <laughs> holy cow. Wait, you know, I have those. But, right, if I did... I would hope that I would come out of it as as well as you did. And by that, I mean you had the girls, you had a heart attack, totally changed what you were doing, all their trajectory. 35 years old. Yeah. Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened? Talk to us about this, Eliz. Well, I think having twins would have forever changed my life just right there. Uh, There wouldn't have been a lot of similarity before and after that line in my life, becoming a mom uh, certainly is a life changer. However, I wasn't expecting the sort of uh, life-changing thing that would happen in addition. So we we went through about five years of infertility treatment before I got pregnant with the girls. So these were very anticipated, very wanted girls. And I had thought being a dance teacher and a choreographer at that time, I'd be one of those women who just sort of breezed through, you know, I was very healthy. Um, no, I had a very difficult pregnancy and was on bed rest 
for most of it, the last month of which uh, was in the hospital. And I only made it to seven months. Uh, on November 12th of 2000, I was hanging out in my room minding my own business. I ate laying down. I wasn't allowed to sit up during the day um, at all. So the only time that I got to get up was if I was good and I wasn't having contractions, I got to take a shower. And I had a little chair in the shower, but that was the time that I got to be up. So I was doing well on that Sunday morning when I started to feel this burning in my chest. And because I ate laying down all the time, that wasn't that surprising. But that burning and pressure increased and increased to the point where I knew it was really a problem. Uh, what was happening is that I was having a massive heart attack. From the time that I started having that burning to the time that my heart stopped and I didn't breathe on my own was 11 minutes. Had I not been in the hospital, I wouldn't still be here. So I'm very lucky that that all went the way it did. There was a wonderful group of medical professionals that jumped to my aid. And clearly, things worked out well. But that line that day, there's not a lot that looks similar other than I'm still married to my wonderful husband. <laughs> yeah, we love Clay. Yeah, we love Clay. Life changed in, uh, in a matter of just a few hours for us. And in many ways, it was a gift because I know that all of the things that I want in the future, whether that's watching my girls grow up and graduate high school and college and do all of those things, whether it's retiring with my husband, I know those things aren't a given for me because of what happened to me. I need to do the work to make sure that I still get to be here. Um, so that's a gift, and that's why I do what I do. Uh, as Phil referred to, I go out and I share my story in hopes that other women will take charge of their health as well. Yeah, and, and you encourage them to shake their booty. Yes. That's fun, right? I mean, so many people think that health is so dang serious. And really, it's not about being serious, right, Liz? You don't have to do a boot camp every morning or, you know, get beat up with a tire iron or <laughs> CrossFit or anything like that, right? Tell us a little bit about this, this healthy way of being more than healthy way of doing. You know, I truly believe each and every one of us is given our own special instrument that is our body, that, you know, nobody, even my twins, are completely different from each other. Uh, so we have to figure out what the equilibrium for our own body is, how much activity we need to do, what we need to eat, and how we're individually going to manage our stress. Because if there was a one-size-fit-all solution, we'd all be doing it, and there wouldn't be a multi-million dollar industry on health and wellness. But there isn't a one-size-fit-all. We have to figure it out individually for ourselves. And, but the beautiful thing is, when you find that equilibrium, when you find ways to fit those healthy habits into your busy life, it becomes easier and easier to maintain it. It's sometimes hard to get there, but once you get there and figure out that equilibrium, then it should be able to just be. 
I'm curious though, Liz, you know, because I, I work quite a uh, bit with people who have gone through like major life or career transition and it could go either way. I mean, I myself, you know, I was hospitalized in 2008, nearly not as tragic as what you went through, but I remember being on that bed and recovering and some of the first thoughts that came to my mind, and, and by the way, I'm a very positive and optimistic person, right? But even in that moment, I remember one of the first thoughts was, what if I allowed myself to die, right, so that I could let my son collect my insurance money if I die because I'm worthless, I'm good for nothing, I'll never arise back from this, I'll never be better again, I'll never get a new job, my business failed. Like every, you know, excuse in the book to sabotage any reason to continue moving on. But thank goodness I moved myself out of those self-sabotaging thoughts and inner chatter. So let me ask you, um, because maybe there's a few answers to this question. First of all, were you always built this way? You know, did you have the strategies and the ability to to shift your mindset every time something bad happened, or is this something that you had to learn? You know, if you could take us through kind of your mindset at the time, what you dealt with, and then how you broke through that to get to the other side. Sure. Um, no, I don't think. I always had uh, this mindset, as you call it, um, and I'm serious when I call what happened to me a gift, because it did force me to view things differently. And I didn't ever have a point where I thought, yeah, I could just not be here. Um, actually, I woke up or somewhere in the little twilight of not quite being here, thought to myself, you know, my husband would be really mad at me if I left him with two children to raise. And I hate it when my husband is mad at me. So that was like, I better just darn well get through this. And there were many things that didn't turn out the way we wanted them to or the way that I wanted them to. You know, I didn't get to hear my babies cry for the first time. I didn't I wasn't there really when they were born. I was unconscious. I didn't get to hold them right away. There were lots of things that I didn't get to do, but yet I was alive. And I knew that I had the opportunity to be with them and to be with my husband. And to be grateful for whatever that looked like was important and not be tied to what I thought was going to be, but be grateful for what is. And that's a, that's a real lesson for me. Um, and it's not one that's learned once. You know, that's a constant sort of battle. Even uh, with my business, I'm still a mom first in many ways. So Phil and I will go to the National Speakers Association convention and see all these people who are wildly you know, successful and I'll think to myself, well, crap, you know, I'm as good as them. How come I'm not making the bucks they're making? But then I have to do that. That's what I expect it to be. I need to be grateful for what is. And what is is that I get to be the mom my girls deserve first. And then everything else is on top of that. Which can be frustrating. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean being a mom being a mom I can completely I can completely relate. 
you know, to you. And and what I'm kind of hearing you say, because this is kind of how I was able to to rise above my situation. I was able to say instead of the inner chatter that wanted to say, "Why me? Why did this bad crap happen to me?" It then shifted to, "Wow, thank goodness." that I was able to still work through that. And like you said, what a gift and what a blessing because now I have something to rise from and now I have more of a purpose and meaning to bring out into the world, you know, to transform what happened. Right, would you agree? So? Yeah, absolutely right. And adversity often comes the greatest triumph. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we just went through a, a challenging summer by our own creation. We had a sort of a buying and selling of a, a boat that was a little stressful. And my husband said to me, I'm uncomfortable with this. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but growth doesn't come from comfort. It has there has to be a level of discomfort, even though it's it's challenging and scary. And I think I learned two other things um, through my whole experience uh, that I carry with me every day. The first one is that I can have help or I can have things my own way. I can't really have both. And for the controlling woman that I am, that was an important lesson. Yeah, hello! <laughs> uh, my name is Liz. I'm a controlling woman. Uh, I think I could have been one of those moms who bleached everything that ever fell to the floor and like, was crazy about everything. But given that I was recovering from a heart attack, I was on beta blockers, which make you really kind of not too excited about anything. And and raising these two babies at the same time, we just dealt with whatever came along and whatever turned out, turned out. Um, and I needed to ask for a lot of help. And accepting that help in the form that it was given became really important. Um, because if somebody's willing to come and vacuum your house, you don't complain about how they did it. Right. Doesn't that remind you of our uh, interview with Amy Clover? Yeah. The asking for help. <clears throat> yeah. Which yeah, and we had that uh, conversation with, with one of our friends, Amy Clover, Liz, and she talked all about that need to accept. And that's that's a really powerful lesson. Well, it's hard, especially, I think, when you're somebody who is always the go-to gal or the go-to guy, to step back and say, hey, I need this. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. There's <laughs> <Almost. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> not in general here. She's specifically yeah. talking about Yeah, you. just go ahead point. This guy. <laughs> right there, right there. Uh, and then uh, the other big lesson that... I learned is how to deal with fear and when something happens so suddenly and you know I was I was technically dead for 10 minutes um, it it's scary and originally I was told that I was the only person ever to survive something like that but, and, and it is true that most of the women that this happens to don't survive but there are other people who have um, but that was scary. That was a lot to live with. And I woke up every morning wondering if this was the day that it was going to happen again. I was keenly aware that bad things happened and they'd happened to me. And 
really fearful that something else was going to happen. Not just with my heart, but you know, anything. It just seemed the world seemed very scary at that period of time, and I could have easily been one of those people that never go out of the house. But you know, I have children. I have a life. You have to move forward, and I found ways of just moving forward. And part of it, a, a real important tool for me was to what if. I don't know if you've ever done that exercise, but what am I afraid of? I'm, a, I'm afraid of going to the grocery store and having another heart attack. Okay, well, what if that happened? Do I have a cell phone that has my emergency contact information on it? Yep. Do I have something in my wallet that indicates that here are the medications that I'm on, and you know, do I have something that says, you know, you know, if something happens to me, please call my husband. <laughs> do I go to a grocery store where I know there's an uh, automatic defibrillator that they could use on me? Um, that's how I chose my grocery store. <laughs> so I would go through the whole thing, and it wasn't a dwelling on what's bad or my, what my dad would call awfulizing, just sort of going in that spiral of things are bad and they're never going to get better. And blah, blah, blah. It was, a, okay, well, what can I do to be prepared so that if something did happen, I could survive it? And there were two, well, now there's been three times that I have gone to the emergency room with something that could have been another heart attack or a stroke. I was 90% sure that they weren't, but you don't mess around. Um, and I had done the what ifs. I had a plan. And each of those times it has gone pretty darn smoothly. I know what to do. So hopefully that never is a real situation, but we know what to do. My entire Girl Scout troop knows how to do CPR now. So. Wow. That's fantastic. So, so talk to us a little bit about your girls, Elise. Okay. I'm sure, and you talked about how you've dealt with fear, but I think a topic that we really haven't talked about, but I think is important, is kind of your responsibility or response at all to the to your girls' fear. What do they? What do you think? Um, how do you how do you comfort them? Because no doubt they know your story. Right, they've seen you speak. They've probably read your book. They've read a little, at least probably a couple of your articles. I'm guessing. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about how we make sure that the ones that we love, um, especially the little ones that we love, can deal with that fear. You know, they did. That it, that's an interesting question. I was a giant mama bear when it came to protecting them. Uh, I do quite a bit of media. They have not been involved in that unless I can be absolutely assured that they will not be asked the question. So, how do you feel about your mom having a heart attack while she was, you know, delivering you? Do you feel any guilt about that? No kidding. That's a question. And I don't want them to have to answer that question. So, the line has been drawn. I did have one, uh, columnist who I allowed to come to the house, he asked the question and I shut it down. Um, and said, well, now you're done talking to the girls. Um, they were involved in uh, my speaking when they were little and didn't 
really understand and I didn't have anything else to do with them so they would come and I'd put Cheerios on their little tray and, and they'd be entertained and now when they got to be about 10 we started to have a larger conversation about what happened and they both get it they understand what happened even as little kids they knew something happened to mommy's heart but they didn't have a big picture now you're right they've read the book and uh, they have a, a better understanding I still think at 12 they probably don't really get it and that will be a challenge as they move forward and become young women and and look towards having their own children how to manage that that fear for them because yeah that'll be a scary time for all of us um, and that'll be a conversation that they'll have to have with their spouse and their doctor and, and to make sure that they're safe and but we'll we'll talk about it we'll what if it and we'll get through it and I what what if with the girls all the time fortunately at 12 their what ifs are pretty minimal <laughs> you know? yeah. well you know and and in their world auditioning for the Milwaukee Youth Symphony is is a big deal and the fear of what's going to happen in that and to be able to what 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 if you do mess up what do you think is going to happen well okay well if you don't make it in what what do you think will happen then and you know if you what if it most of the time you get to the point where it's like well okay I could deal with that awesome did that answer your question absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. Alyssa said the big F word. She did. She did. You should probably so, write this one Me? Out. Okay. So so usually I have Phil ask all of our guests the big F word. And the F word. You've been waiting for it because we told you, at least Phil should have told you, to prepare for it. So are you ready? Are you ready to talk about the big F word? <laughs> She's holding on to her seat. I'm ready. Okay. So, so you talked a lot, obviously because we asked you, you talked a lot about the fear that you've had in the past, and really that defining moment that really changed you know, the trajectory of, of your life, uh, family, and, and, and career, really. But right now in this moment, Eliz, what the hell are you afraid of? Oh, that's you know, a Or are you like Superwoman, you know? But no, no. no. <laughs> what are you afraid of? And then let's kind of talk through it, because is there something you already have planned and how you're going to deal with it? Or is it something that even we can help you with here on the Shut Up Show? Well, there's fear in, in two categories in, in my world. There's the, the heart fear that I'm always going to have, um, which as a speaker who travels is it, kind of a unique thing. I do a little preparation anytime I go anywhere to know where the heart hospital is, uh, you know, kind of any room, any place I go, I look for the AED. It, it, that's just kind of how I deal with that. Um, now, but on the other hand, uh, the fear that I deal with, if I'm going to be honest, is going back to that, looking at all those other people who I think are so much more successful, and the challenge of defining what success looks like for me and not being brought down by the disparity between the two if that makes sense 
And the fear of, well, if I try, what if I don't get there? You know? And it, it's sometimes easier not to try and to stay comfortable knowing that there's not really a consequence to leaving things the way they are. Because I can, I can do my little thing and it'll be all right, but I'm not going to get to where I think I could go. Um, but then again, if I put myself out there, it's scary. So that's the thing. Yeah. Not that anybody can relate to that. <laughs> so, so how are you dealing with it? I mean, is this something that, that keeps you up at night? Are you, are you thinking about it? And are you like, you know what, it's about damn time I do something about this? Or is this really not crippling you all that much? No, it is a daily necessary butt kicking. Um, in order for me to, and sometimes an hourly self butt kicking. <laughs> <laughs> you charge for that now. <laughs> I know it's like uh, the, uh, you know, it would be really easy. I work in my home. There are all kinds of things that I could do besides uh, really looking at my database and figuring out who I'm going to go after and nurture. Yes, fell. I was listening. Uh, <laughs> The, you know, I have all kinds of ideas of what I could do. It's always an issue of what am I going to do today? Yeah. Um, and not getting pulled off track by the 87 million things that could possibly pull me off the track. Yeah, hello. Hello. <laughs> well, that's why we have the Shut Up Show. So this might be the first time I'm ever going to ask anybody on this, but what are you going to do today to shut up and make this happen? What am I going to do today to shut up and make this happen? Well, I was in the process <laughs> of converting my database, my deeply neglected database, um, and pulling it on into a new system so that I can clearly define who are the people that I'm nurturing Pulling that then into MailChimp, which is my my email service of choice, I have a nice um, article to send out uh, with an enticement, yes, of a free download. I know. Yeah, awesome. And uh, so we'll see if we can start building that list a little more um, deeply. And uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing today. Yay! But, but I now have. Um, I love it when our guests <coughs> shut up, and I yeah. love it when I get to tell them <laughs> to shut up. <laughs> so, so last but not least, Liz, we know that people are going to love watching this and yeah. want more of you. So, how do people connect more deeply with you and find more of your goodness? More of my goodness. Well, they could go to my website, which is embraceyourheart.com, which is like hug embraceyourheart.com. And uh, you can find me there. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. I'm all over the place because, of course, I listen to Phil. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's that's how you find more of me. Cool. Oh, and on Answers.com. Yeah, absolutely, on Answers.com. And she may come to your city and be speaking or something. So that's maybe if you're there, you should definitely check it out. Have fun. So, Eliz, I love you. Thank you for being my friend, for being on the show. You rock. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Proud of my little brother. It was good to meet you, Bernie.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Shut Up Show. And remember, if you don't want to miss a single episode, simply go to our website at theshutupshow.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, folks, shut up and make shit happen.